May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When I was eight years old, I remember it vividly. It was during the winter in Virginia. And one of the great things about growing up in the Shenandoah Valley or on the edge of it in that area of the country is we were guaranteed to get off of school for snow at least two, maybe three more times during the winter season. And the best snows that ever took place were the ones where it would begin to snow in the afternoon. And you could see it outside the classroom window, and they were great because we knew that that was almost a guarantee that there would be no school the next day. And that night, we could stay up as late as we wanted, sledding, building snow forts, having snowball fights. It was great. And there was something intuitive about it where everybody knew where to gather in the town that I lived in. And there were these large-scale sledding events and snowball fights. It was a real community thing. And again, I remember it like yesterday. A huge snowball fight erupted. And my little clan, consisting of other eight-year-old boys from the neighborhood, we decided to fight dirty. And so we thought it was a good idea to combine our snowballs with water. Well, we were not the brightest group of boys, and we thought this was a great idea. And I normally led the way, and I nailed at 20 yards right in the face Anna Simpson. The snowball fight involving at least 30 people came to an immediate end with Anna's scream. I knew I had done something terrible, and so I ran and hid under a parked car. (laughs) I remained there for a very long time before I realized if I didn't move, I would never move. The older children, soon joined by parents, began to look for me, knowing who it was that was responsible for Anna's now black eye. As I lay under the car, I tried hard to concoct a story that would legitimize my behavior but knew it was no good. I had to eventually come out and face the music, and out I came. Well, I don't think that I'm alone in this experience. All of us have had stories where we have hidden or tried to cover our tracks, but knew that it was no good. And those stories pale in comparison to the sin committed by Adam and Eve in their fall in the Garden of, good, in the garden of Eden. The end of perfect fellowship with God, their subsequent hiding from Him, and their attempts to pass the buck. They've made a total and complete mess of things. And because of what they did, we have the world that we have. We are in the shape that we're in. Some of us may have questions about whether this event is a myth, a legend, or a historical fact which is what I believe. But I doubt that very few people will argue that the world is in rough shape. Because it is. We see it in the world around us. We see it in our own lives, in our broken relationships. All around us we see evidence of the fall. And here in the midst of the wreckage, in the Garden of Eden, God calls to Adam and Eve, Where are you? What we've heard this morning and what we see throughout history is that God has a way of intervening in the wreckage. 
He doesn't absent himself. He doesn't stand back and say, well, you sure have made a mess of things. Good luck with that. But just at the right moment, or really the wrong moment, God inserts himself into the problem. And in the midst of the fall, when everything has gone terribly wrong, God cries out, where are you? He begins to ask them questions that he already knows the answers to. So why does he ask them? This season we remember and sing about God being our wonderful counselor. And that is exactly what he's doing here. He asks the questions to get us where we need to be. To see our need for salvation. For deliverance. For us to come face to face with the reality and truth about us. Our answers to these questions force us to deal with the reality of our fallenness and our need for a Savior. God calls out, where are you? And Adam responds, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I don't know about you, but if God called out, where are you? I would have kept my mouth shut. I would have said, Eve, just take it easy. He'll pass by in a minute. But instead... Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked. Naked? Really? You know, God had walked through the garden in the cool of the day since the creation of Adam and walked with him and talked with him and enjoyed fellowship with him. And Adam was naked every single time. But now it's a problem. Now Adam says, God, I can't go for a walk because I don't have clothes. Well, when the Bible talks about being naked, it means that Adam was vulnerable. He was known. It's a little bit like if you were to walk down the road and you hear a loud bang. And someone says, duck for cover. There's an awful feeling that somebody can see you in your weakness, but you can't see them. It's a little bit like if you were to go to the beach. You know, if you go to the beach, you wear a bathing suit, and there might be some trepidation, trepidation depending on who you are uh, and where you are and your confidence. But you go to the beach, and there you're wearing a bathing suit, and it seems okay because everybody else is. But what if you were to show up at a formal dinner party in a bathing suit? It's the same bathing suit that you wore to the beach, and yet you realize your vulnerability Everyone sees you in a way that they can't see anybody else, and you are known in a way that you'd rather not be known. And so Adam says, I am naked. I feel small. I don't want to be in your presence. I'm way too vulnerable to come out. The psalmist reminds us, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? This is why we hide. We know that we are vulnerable to God. And we hide sometimes by ignoring Him. By pretending that He's not there. And yet there is a nagging sensation in each and every single one of us. That He is there and He does care. Because more often than not in life, we show up at formal dinner parties in our bathing suits. We try to hide from God in a myriad of ways. We try to hide our thoughts from God. We try to get God to catch us doing our best. There was a great bumper sticker that I would see all the time in Beaufort that said, 
Look busy. Jesus is coming. And yet we pray every communion service here. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from, from whom no secrets are hid. We cannot hide from God. And if God calls you by name as He does Adam and Eve, you can try to run, but you cannot hide. And eventually, you will come out. Because God's pursuit of you in the midst of the wreckage is relentless. C.S. Lewis had a long conversion experience. It was a long process. And he said one day he felt as if the hound of heaven, who had been nipping at his heels, had finally overwhelmed him. He wrote, In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. I did not see then what I see now, the most shining and obvious thing, the divine humility which will accept a convert on even such terms. Even in the midst of this terrible calamity, the fall of humanity from a perfect relationship with God, God begins to put into place His plan of salvation. He says of the serpent and the woman, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Even in the midst of the fall, God begins to give us glimpses of what Jesus Christ will do, who will come in the flesh and dwell amongst us, and he will crush the serpent's head. That he will defeat the enemy all the while his bruise will be healed unto the point of death, even death on the cross. Here even in Genesis 3, we hear of Jesus. And when God calls, where are you? He doesn't wait for your response. He simply comes to rescue you. He puts the plan in motion. This is the message of Advent. That there is a Redeemer who is coming. And on Christmas we celebrate God Himself entering the wreckage of life. Not in great power, but He becomes vulnerable. He becomes naked in the form of a baby and meets us in our vulnerable vulnerability. Not in great power, but weakness as an infant child. God makes Himself vulnerable in this infancy. Vulnerability even to, to the point of death on a cross. Where are you? God calls to you. When God calls your name, you won't be able to hide, but must come out. But even there, in your vulnerability, in your nakedness, you will not find judgment, but you will find in this merciful and great God, grace and love beyond all measure. Amen.